Okay, we're up to Daf Pevav Amid Aleph, two lines into the page. So the Mishnah said, Gufa Shaget Shikhar, the essential part of an emancipation document is Hareyat Achairin, Hareyat Lasmcha, that's all you have to write. Either of those will shine us. So it says the Gemara, Iskin Rav Yehuda Bashtar Zavini Da'avdi, Rav Yehuda instituted that whenever people would sell slaves, they would have the following text. This text basically protected the buyer completely. Avdat Nanan, this is the Lushan of the text. Our slave that we're about to sell you, Mutztak Avdoi, is 100% a slave, meaning I didn't free him without your knowledge. Pativ Atamin Haruri, he is not free in any way. Minaluli, from any claims, no one, I didn't, you know, promise to use him as payments for something else. Minaruri Malkum Algosa, no demands of the kings and queens, meaning I, I'm not using him to pay for taxes. Rosham to Inishlo there's no badge of slavery, meaning. Um, just got finished. Uh, just started. Um, that that there's no badge of slavery, meaning that no other person has a claim to this uh, slave. No other person has a claim to this slave. And he's protected from any blemish. Just started the pevav amid aleph, and this slave is protected from any blemish. And no boil that uh, will come back, meaning this is, uh, the Gemara is describing how Rabbi Yehuda instituted a Lashen whenever people would sell slaves, they would have this Lashen basically saying the slave is good, there's no hidden, you know, hidden problems. And one of the things they would say is that he doesn't have a boil that would resurface, apparently. They would have these boils that would go away, but then they would come back. So you don't want to buy a slave that right now doesn't have any blemish, but it's coming back. So the person claims it's not coming back at all. Okay. Just to finish up before we get to the Mishnah, my Asvase, what is the cure for these boils that come back? You take ginger, um, some pieces of silver and sulfur, wine vinegar, olive oil, and white nafta, and smear this mixture with a goose feather on the, on the part of the body. It's a boil. And that would uh, that would be uh, that would that would fix it. Okay, new Mishnah. The Mishnah says as follows: Shloisha gitin psulim v'imnisas havad kosher. The three gitin that are pasul dirabanan, meaning they are biblically your divorce, but rabbinically you're not. And if a woman uses this divorce to marry someone else, the children are not mamzeru. Because it's rabbinically, it's biblically a divorce, although it's not rabbinically a divorce, but if she uses the get, no, the child is not going to be a mamzer. Now the Gemara is going to discuss, so let's say, again, you give a woman a divorce, it's one of these three divorces, as we'll describe, that is a biblical divorce, but not rabbinic. She then uses it to, she should not use it, but she uses it to marry a, a separate guy and has a child. So that child is not a mamzer. There's going to be a machloikis in the Gemara. Is she obligated to separate from that second husband? Meaning the child is not a mamzer, but is a teitze. Or is it like teitze that the Gemara will discuss? So what are these three cases of gitin that are rabbinically puzzled but biblically valid? So the number one is kasav b'ksav yadov of edim. The husband wrote the get, but there's no witnesses that signed it. There's no witnesses, but it was written by the husband. So Rashi points out who is the author of this Mishnah. Now, 
it, it's a little bit tricky because it's not really Rav Meir and it's not really Rav Liezer, right? Rav Meir and Rav Liezer argue about what is the main form of Edim. Rav Liezer holds Edim the Sirakarti, the main Edim are the ones that witness the handing it over, and Rav Meir holds Edim Chasimakarti, the main witnesses are the ones that signed it. Over here, you have no witnesses. And it's biblically a kosher get. Now, the problem, but not rabbinically. So it's a little bit of a problem, Rashi points out, because it's not Rameir, because according to Rameir, you need Aidan to sign. And if there's no Aidan, it should be biblically invalid. It can't be Ravaliezer either, because according to Ravaliezer, Aide Mesirakarti. According to Ravaliezer, it's biblically and rabbinically kosher. According to Ravaliezer, you don't even need witnesses at all to sign. The whole Indian of signing witnesses is to protect you in case the Edim that see it pass away. So who exactly is the author of this Mishnah that says that if there's written by the husband, the husband writes a get with his own handwriting, but there's no witnesses, it is biblically valid and not rabbinically valid. Who is that like? It's seemingly not Rav Eliezer and it's not Rav Meir. So Rashi does allude that there is an opinion of the Gemara that implies that it is Rav Meir. I, Rav Meir, holds you need Adam to sign, so if there's no Adam, it should be biblically puzzled. The reason is because over here it's written by the husband. It's not written by the cipher. It's like Hodas Baldin Adam Dami. It's considered biblically valid because it's written by this by the husband himself. Okay, whatever whoever is the author, you have the first category of the Mishnah of a get that's biblically kosher but not rabbinically, and that's if it's written by the husband but it has no witnesses. Number two, Yeshlov Man, a regular get that has witnesses but it doesn't have a date recording in it. If it doesn't have a date, that could lead to problems. People can question when she was divorced, and therefore the rabbis forbade such a get. And the last one is Yesh Baizman Vein The last one is a regular get that only has one witness. So you have no witnesses, you have one witness, and you have no date. All of these three are rabbinically possible. But if a woman married based on the basis of using this get to claim that she's divorced, Havlat Kasher, the child of the second marriage, is not a mamzer. Okay, the first one of the Mishnah is where there's no Edim that signed it, and it's rabbinically possible. Says Rebbe Liazer, this is the famous Rebbe Liazer that says, He says, Even if there's no witnesses at all, it's rabbinically kosher as well. Why? As long as it was delivered in the presence of witnesses, it's kosher even rabbinically. And not only that, if you were to have a loan document that has no Edim, but it was handed over in front of Edim, Rav Liezer says, Edim is Sirakarti for monetary as well. And you'd be able to use that document to be Goivim and Nechasim Shabadim. You could collect, using that document to collect even from encumbered property. So if the guy owes you money, and you have a document that has no Edim, but it was handed over in front of Edim, you could collect that debt, even if it means undoing a sale. That's how, that's Rav Leza Shita, because Rav Leza says the whole Indian that Edim signed is just Tikkun Oilam. It's not because you actually need it. The only reason why they sign is because we're afraid that the Edim Mesira won't be around, you'll die. So to hedge your bets, you get Edim Chasima. But you don't actually need Edim Chasima at all. That's the famous Ravalazar about Edim Mesira card. Okay, so you have three cases in the Mishnah of rabbinically Pasul Gitin that are if the woman uses 
the children are not mamzerim. The Gemara wants to know, why are there just three? I could list a couple more. The Gemara says, Vesulek, are there only three rabbinically invalid gin? Ha'ikah get yashan. What about a get yashan? A get yashan we've had many times, which is a get that was written, and before it was delivered, the husband and wife had relations. It invalidates the get. It makes it rabbinically puzzle as well. So why is that not part of the list? So the Gemara says, I'll tell you why it doesn't make the list. Hasam loy teitzei. Hacha teitzei. The difference is, you're right. Both are rabbinically possible. And both the children of the second marriage are not mamzerim. So why does it not make the list? Because this list of these three kitten, if the wife remarries someone, the children are not mamzerim, but she has to leave her second husband. Teitzei. We force her to leave her second husband. Although the children are not mamzerim, we do force her to leave her second husband. A get yashan. If a woman uses a get yashan, it's imnisas loy teitzei. If she uses it to remarry someone, she's allowed to stay with him. So the reason why it doesn't make our list is because these three cases of our Mishnah, imnisas teitzei, if she uses these gitten to marry a second husband, she has to divorce the husband. So the Gemara says, Hanich so you're saying that the, these three are teitze, and that's why get yashin doesn't fit. The problem is, as we'll see later on in today's daf, it's a machloikas whether these three are teitze or not. According to one opinion, these three cases in our Mishnah, imnis is teitze, but according to another opinion, imnis is loy teitze. So it, we'll go back to our original question. Why is get yashin not in our list? And don't tell me because get yashin is low teitze, and over here it's teitze, because according to one opinion, over here it's Teitze, it's 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 uh, uh, over here. It's low teitze as well. Yeah, you have a question? No. Okay. So the Gemara says. So back to the question, original question, which is why is a gate yashan not in the list? The Gemara answers. I'll tell you why. Hasam tinase lechachila, hacha diavet. Over there, the difference is while you're not supposed to use a gate yashan. Bidiyevet, if it was given, she's allowed to remarry even l'chachila. Meaning, you have a get yasha and you're not supposed to give it. If you gave it, she's allowed to remarry even l'chachila. In our, these three cases of gitin, if you were, if you gave it to her, she's not allowed to remarry l'chachila until she gets a proper get. So the reason why, so you're right, they're both loyteitze. They both do not have to separate from the second husband. And they're both not mamzerim. And they're both rabbinically possible. So how come it doesn't make the list? Because the difference is that if you give a get yashan to your wife, she's allowed to remarry l'chachila. And she doesn't have to get another get. But these three cases, she has to get another get. And she's not allowed to marry l'chachila until she gets a proper get. Okay? So that's why I didn't make the list. Okay, let's keep going. What about get kareach? Get kareach, if you remember, is if you have a get that kehamim, their gitin were folded over and sewed, and you'd have to, to slow down the process and at least three folds, and you'd have to sign an aid on every fold. And we mentioned that, let's say they're, they're, she has, they made seven folds in the get, but only signed it with six aidim, meaning there is a fold that is unsigned. The halacha is that it's possible. That's a rabbinic psal. Because we're afraid that people will think that it wasn't just a mistake by the cipher. People are going to think that there were aids in there that they didn't use, and he had said kulchem, as we had the sugya before. So get kireach is a get puzzle. So how come how come that didn't make the list? 
So the Gemara says, oh, hasam avlad mamzer, hachavlad kasher. The reason is because if you use a gekereach, if you remember, we had a couple days ago, I think it was La Shabbos, if you use a gekereach, according to Rav Meir, according to, I think, uh, Rav Meir, yeah, according to Rav Meir, the child is a mamzer. That's the difference. These three cases of our Mishnah, if you, if you separate, from, if she uses the, the get to remarry, the child is not a mamzer. So that's why the difference. Get kareich is more severe. So the Gemara says, Wait a minute, that's only true according to Rameir. Meaning, according to Rameir, Rameir Shita is, we've had this a couple of times, that any time you deviate from Chazal and you make a get not in the way that Chazal are happy, now you have to know exactly how far it goes, but Rav Meir will feel that the child is a mamzer. It's called kolim meshanei mimatveya shetavu chacham imavad mamzer. If you change the, uh, the 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 process, the procedure of Chazal, the child's a mamzer. Hence, if you use if you use a get kereach, that's not what Chazal wanted. The child's a mamzer. That's why it doesn't fit our three. But according to the Rabbanon, a get kereach, the child is not a mamzer either. So according to the Rabbanon, a get kereach, the child is not a mamzer. So how come, how come it's not in our list? So the Gemara says, "Hasam The reason is because over there by a get kereach, you don't have to separate. Uh, you have to separate. Meaning, the our three. The Gemara is assuming the three cases in our Mishnah. If a woman uses them to remarry, loy she does not have to leave her husband. But the get, but the case of a get kereach, if the koyin uses hands the get kereach. And she uses it to remarry, it's Tetzay. That's the reason, so it's more severe. So the Gemara says, So you're telling me, why doesn't get, get Kareach, why isn't it in our Mishnah? Because Get Kareach is Tetzay. Our Mishnah is low Tetzay. I just got finished telling you, it's a Machlaikis, what our Mishnah is. According to one opinion, every case in our Mishnah, if the woman remarries, it's Tetzay as well. So if it's Tetzay, and a Get Kareach is Tetzay, and they're both rabbinically puzzle, and they're both children, and not Mamzerim, how come Get Kareach is not in the Mishnah? So the Gemara says, The answer is very simple. Our Mishnah is describing cases where the Get is puzzle. But in the classic get, the get kereach specifically deals with a folded get of kehanim. That's not what the mission is dealing with. You're right. It would be uh, uh, an identical case and it would fit in our Mishnah, but our mission is not dealing with a get makusher. It's dealing with a classic get. Okay, one more. Ha'aka shalom alchus. What about shalom alchus? If you remember, we had this again, uh, I don't know, what, a week and a half ago, that if you use the wrong date, meaning, not the wrong date, meaning you use the wrong malchus, Right, that Chazal instituted that for Shalom Malchus, you're supposed to use that kingdom's reign. So if you're in Greece, you're supposed to use the year of the Greeks. Uh, if you're in England, you're supposed to do King Charles. If you're in America, you do the president. And if you deviate, the Mishnah said it's a Vlad Mamzer, because Rav Meir felt that Vlad is Mamzer. So that's a rabbinic psal. So how come it's not in the Mishnah? So the Gemara says, Hasam Teitze, over there, if you use a get that has the wrong dating system, it's teitze. Our mission is low teitze. Same kasha. What about the opinion that holds that in our mission it's teitze as well? So they're both rabbinically possible. They're both teitze. So how come it doesn't fit? So the Gemara says, Hasama vlad mamzer, vlad kasher. The difference is over there that vlad is a mamzer. Over here, the child is kasher. So the Gemara says, wait, that's only true according to a mayor. Yes, according to a mayor, if you use the wrong dating system, the child is a mamzer. 
according and, and, and our Mishnah, the child are not mamzer. But what about according to the Rabbanan? According to the Rabbanan, the child is not a mamzer. So according to the Rabbanan, they're both rabbinically possible. The child, children are not mamzer. Both are teitze. So why doesn't it make our list? The answer is mukim mamzer The answer is our Mishnah follows our mayor. Therefore, our Mishnah is looking for examples where it's rabbinically psal, where the children are not mamzer. That Mishnah, the reason why it doesn't pick Shalom Malchus is because Shalom Malchus, according to Rav Meir, the children are mamzerim, and our Mishnah follows Rav Meir. Okay? The Gemara just speaks it out. So our Mishnah listed three cases where it's rabbinically possible, but the children are not mamzerim, and it had two Lashinas that are inclusive. It's a Shloisha Gitin Psulin, and that, that's like three Gitin are possible. And then it says, hold on one second. Yeah. Shloshiket and Psulon is an inclusive, like an introductory statement. And then it says, Hare Elu Shloshiket and Psulon. So it says that twice. So what is it coming to, to deduce? The Gemara says, What are the, the statements, the introductory and concluding statements of the Mishnah? What are they coming to teach you? So, Minyana Dereshel Mute Hani Da'amun. The first, the, the introductory statement is to, is, to, is to exclude the things that we listed. Shalom Alchus, Kekereach, um, what was the first one? Get uh, Yashan. Um, so it's to exclude those three. Minyana de Sefer And what is the concluding sentence excluding? It's Hadatanya, it's excluding the following case. The Braisa says, We've had this in the beginning of the Masechla, that if a Shliach brings a get from outside of Israel, he has to say, But let's say he doesn't. If he gives the get and he does not say that he was present at the time of the signing or the time of the writing, Meir feels that the child is a Mamzer. The Chacham feels not a Mamzer. Kate said, Yasa, what do you do? He has the shliach has to take the get back and then re-give it to her and say, So the fact that the Mishnah concludes that these cases, the children are not mamzerim, implies there is a case where the child is a mamzer, and that is following the view of Rav Meir, that is following the view of Rav Meir, that in that case, the child is a mamzer. Okay. Weiter. So you have three cases in the Mishnah. First case is that it was written by the husband, no Adam at all. Second case is that there's no date. Third case is that it was written, um, there's one aid. So says the Gemara, Amar Rav, Rav has this rule. The case of the Mishnah, there are three cases. He doesn't say which one, we'll have to figure out which one. But he says the case of the Mishnah is Dafka, where it was written by the husband and not by the cipher. Okay. Now, what is he talking about? Let's, let's speak it outside. The first case, it clearly says it was written by the husband. So you can't be talking about that because the Mishnah says it clearly. The second case, the issue is it has no date. Why would it make a difference if it was written by the husband or the cipher? It must be talking about the last case. The last case is that there's one aide, and we're saying that if she marries, the child is not a mamzer. And he's saying that's only true if it was written by the husband and it has one aide. But if it was written by the cipher with one aide, 
it would be a get puzzle legamri. Let's see it inside. Ahai, which case did Rob say that it has to be that it was written by the husband and not the sofer? If it's talking about the first case, well, yeah, the Mishnah clearly states that it was written by the husband. You don't need Rav to explain that. Elamitsiasa, so it must be talking about the second case. The second case, it's written, it has Aden. The issue is it doesn't have a date. Why would it matter who wrote the get if it's the issue is the date, the lack of the lack of a date? Why would it matter who wrote the get? Ella Asefa, it must be that he was rather referring to the last case of the Mishnah, which is Yeshbozman. It has the date. The but it doesn't it only has one witness. Go to the next page. And Rav's point is that the whole, again, what's the third case? The third case is that it has one witness, and the halach is that it's rabbinically possible, and if she uses it to remarry, the child is not a mamzer. To that, Rav says, the child is only not a mamzer if the sof, if the, it's written by the husband. So you have that as one aid, and it's written by the husband. So it's like a double proof that it was probably legit. But if it was written one aid by the sofer, no good, and the child is a mamzer. Okay? The Gemara says, Shmuel, Amr, Shmuel, Shmuel disagrees. Shmuel says, Afiluk sav sofer ve'ed. No, even if the sofer wrote it with one witness, the child is not a mamzer. I'll prove it to you. Sharishaninu, because we have a Mishnah later on that says, Ksav sofer ve'ed, kosher. The Mishnah clearly states that if it's written by a sofer and one witness, it's kosher. So Rob feels that if it's written by one witness and an aid, it's Child's a mamzer, it's puzzle. Shmuel says, no, it's clearly stated later on that in the Mishnah that it's kosher. The Gemara says, Rav, what does he do with that Mishnah? Rav holds that if it's written by the Sofer, it's puzzle, but the Mishnah says that it's kosher. Rav says, no, 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 that case is not actually just written by the Sofer and one witness. It can't be. What is the Mishnah later on? This is a Mishnah in uh, Tamar's Daf. The Mishnah in Tamar's Daf says, Ksav sofer ve'ed kosher, which implies, I mean, the way I would read that is, it's written by a sofer, it has one witness, it's kosher. That's not like Rav. Rav says, wait a minute, why is it kosher even l'chachila? It must be, the case really, says Rav, is that it's not written by the sofer and just one witness. It's written by the sofer, one witness, and the sofer is the other signee. So it's really two Adam. But says Rav, if it was actually one aid and the sofer was taka be a child mamzer, that case in tomorrow's daf where it says ksav sofer ve'aid, it doesn't actually mean kosher. It doesn't actually mean one witness. It actually means two witnesses. And who's the secret second witness? That's the sofer himself. Shmuel says no. Loy kasha Shmuel says no. Both cases actually. Our mishnah and tomorrow's daf are actually talking about the same thing, and that is one sofer. Well, sofa writing one witness. No two witnesses, just the sofa and one witness. Why is it that in our Mishnah, it's only the child's not a mamzer, but you're not supposed to remarry, and in that Mishnah, it's l'chachila? So Seshmuel depends who wrote it. Is it a sofa muvik? If, is it an expert sofa? If it's an expert sofa and one witness, it's l'chachila, fine. If it's an expert sofa and one wit- and not expert sofa and one witness, then it's only the child is not a mamzer. So that's how Shmuel understands our Mishnah. Okay, the Gemara continues. The Gemara says, "V'chena Rav Yochanan, Ksav Yado Shaninan, Amalei Rav Lozar, Harayeshal Av Edim, Amalei Asefa." This base, the same conversation between Rav about which case, uh, which case is it written by the husband. It was talking about the last case. Okay. Now we have the three cases in our Mishnah of where it's rabbinically possible and the children are not mamzerim. 
The Kshayla is, does she have to separate from her husband? So, Zimnin Amarav Teitze, Zimnin Some. Close the other door. Can you close the other door, please? The other one. Use that door. Zimnin Amarav Teitze, Zimnin Amarav Teitze. Hakeitzad. How do you explain it? Yesh Bonim Loi Teitze, Eloi Bonim Teitze. Rav's opinion is, does she have to separate from her second husband? So, he says it depends. If she has a child from the second husband, so we already got finished saying the children are not Mamzerim. See, if she has a child. Because think about it. If if you want to make it clear that it's only a rabbinic soul, that she's really biblically divorced, and the children are not mamzerim, then forcing her to separate from her second husband is going to imply that the children are mamzerim. Right? Think about it. You have a woman who has a get that's rabbinically puzzled. She remarries. Yeah? So she remarries. She married to Shmuel now. If she has a child from Shmuel, the children are not Mamzerim. The question is, does she have to separate from Shmuel? So, so Rav says, if she has a child, no. Why? Because if she has a child from Shmuel, and you got finished saying she's, the child's not a Mamzer, then why are you making her separate from her husband? If she has no children, make her separate because it's not going to make it like a bad optic for the, for the potential children. Anyway, there are no children. But if she actually has children... And your whole point is the children are not mamzerim. Then don't make her separate from her husband because if people people are not going to understand the difference. People are not going to understand the children are not mamzerim, but we're only separating her lechachila. No, they're going to say, well, she separated from the second guy. It must be because it was adultery, and it must be the children are mamzerim. Therefore, Rob's opinion is: Do you have to separate? It depends. If she has children, we force we don't make her separate. If she doesn't have children, we do. Okay. Now. Again, what's the reason? And the reason is because we want people to understand the children are not mamzerim. And if we make her separate from her husband with children, people are going to say the children are mamzerim. Okay? Now, but there is a scenario where Rav feels low tete, and that's if she has children, we'll allow her to stay with her second husband. Masiv Marzutra Bartovia. Marzutra Bartovia says the following question. Okay, let, let me explain. This is the only thing tricky about today's daf, and then after this, it's pretty uh, smooth sailing for the rest. If you remember, the first Mishnah in Yivamis had a case where you have a woman, there's two wives that are falling to Yibam. One is a regular wife who could do Yibam, one is an erva. So I'll give you an example. You have two brothers. One brother marries his niece. Rachel is his niece, and Leah is a random woman. Uh, the brother dies, so now Rachel and Leah are falling to to the to the Yavam. Rachel is his daughter, so obviously she does not do Yibam, and not only does she not do Yibam, the co-wife is exempt from well as well. They're both Pater from Yibam Echalit. What happens if they find out that the niece, right? Rachel and Leah are married. Reuven marries Rachel, which is his niece, and Leah. Reuven dies, so Rachel and Leah are falling to Shimon. Shimon obviously is not going to do Yibam on Rachel because it's his daughter. He's also not going to do Yibam on Leah because it's the co-wife of an Arab. What happens if they find out that Rachel's marriage to Reuven was questionable? Meaning, Suffolk Kedushin. She may not have, never have been married. Or Suffolk Gerishin. Or she was definitely married, but she might have been divorced. The halacha is, in such a scenario, so now what does Leah do? So Leah can't say, she, she can't do Yibam because maybe Rachel was married and she's the co-wife of an Arab. She also can't do nothing because maybe Rachel was really not married. Maybe it was uh, not a good Kedushin or maybe the Gerishin was good. And because of this uncertainty, we're going to force Leah to just do Chalitza. Okay. Now what's an example? 
of a Suffolk Kedushin or a Suffolk Erishin. So Suffolk Kedushin Ketzal, what's an example? We're not sure whether the Erva, in this case Rachel, was originally married to the first husband, to her uncle. So the case is Zarla Kedushin. The case is that the uncle Reuben had thrown the money of Kedushin to Rachel, Suffolk Karavloi, Suffolk Karavloi, and it's not sure whether it was close enough to her. He threw it to her, and he's not sure if it was close to him. If it's closer to him than to her, it's not a good Kedushin. If it's closer to her than to him, in the case of Rishis Aram, then it is a good Kedushin. You're not sure. What's Suffolk Gerishin? Suffolk Gerishin is our Mishnah. These three cases in our Mishnah makes it a Suffolk Gerishin. So the case is Reuben marries Rachel, his niece, and Leah. And then, before he dies, he does one of these three cases. He gives a get to Rachel that is a Suffolk Gerishin. So let's say he writes it as no Edim, or there's Edim, but there's no date, or there's uh, one witness, these cases, so then what does Leah do? Le- and then Reuben dies. So Leah does Chalitza. Why? Because we're not sure whether Rachel was married or not. So because of that, we're going to make Leah do Chalitza. But here's the Kasha. The Amrit say. But if you say that in such a scenario, what, what do we start our conversation? We start our conversation is that if a woman has one of these three cases, yeah, so a guy, husband gives her a get with no witnesses. What's the halacha? It's a rabbinically apostle get. She uses it to remarry and she has children. What's the halacha? So says the Gemara, the halacha is the children are not mamzerim and she could stay with her husband. Why? Because she's really divorced. So now go to this case. You have Rachel and Leah. Same thing. Rachel is the erva. Leah is the co-wife, gives a get to Rachel. What do we say? We're not sure whether Rachel's divorced or not. So what's Leah going to do? Leah is going to do chalitza. But if you're telling me loyteitze, which means you're actually definitive, people are going to start saying, oh, wow, this, it, when, when I hear loyteitze, I think it's a good divorce. So if it's a good divorce, that means that in that scenario, right, if I hear loyteitze, I'm thinking, that's a good divorce. So in this scenario, we have Rachel and Leah. Right, Reuven marries Rachel and Leah. Rachel's the erva. He does one of these three divorces. I'm gonna say Leah should do yibum. Right, we said that Leah should do chalitza, but I, I think she should do yibum. People are gonna start saying she should do yibum. Why? Because if you say lo teitze, then people are gonna start saying, "Wow, these divorces are taka legit." If they're legit, that means that Rachel is out of the picture. That means the Leah is the only woman falling to yibum. She should do yibum. But you're telling me chalitza. But if you start saying, I mean, basically chalitza means you're not sure. But if you're telling me lo teitze, that means you kind of are sure. So if you say lo teitze, it's a matter of time before she does yibam at some point. Again, in, in this case, in the case of, of erva, if you're telling me lo teitze in general, that means that it's a legit get. So that means that Rachel, the erva, is really divorced. And in people's minds, Leia is just a random woman falling into She's going to yibam. So you're telling me chalitza, but it's a matter of time before Leah does Yibam as well. So why aren't you concerned about that? If you're telling me lo teitze, why aren't you concerned that it's going to lead to eventually having the co-wife of an erva in such a scenario do Yibam? So the Gemara answers, The answer is, The answer is, let her do Yibam. We really do believe that she is divorced. Meaning, when a woman gets these three divorces, she is biblically divorced. The Shaila of Teitze, Lo Teitze, that's Chumras de Rabbanon, but actually she is divorced. So go back to this case. You have Reuben who marries his niece and marries Leah, Rochon Leah. 
he gives Rachel one of these three divorces, Rachel is Taka divorced. She is Taka divorced. She's out of the picture. Then Ruben dies. They fall to Yibam. So we say, let Leah do Chalitza only. I, aren't you concerned that Leah will eventually do Yibam because people will start saying if she's really divorced then Leah is the only wife and she should do Yibam. And he says, let her do Yibam. She really could do Yibam. This whole thing, this whole, this whole Indian of having her not do Yibam, it's a Chumrah. The Ikra did, we paskin, these three divorces are legit divorces. And therefore, in our scenario, Rachel is no longer in the picture. If Rachel is no longer in the picture, that Leah is the only wife, Leah could do Yibam. This whole Indian of Lo Teitzeh, or Teitzeh, Chumrah's Durabonah, but the Ikra din, she is Taka the only, she is Taka divorced. If she's Taka divorced, then Leah is the only one around, and Leah could Taka do Yibam. So we're not concerned. Okay. So the Shiloh of in our mission in these three cases, the child is not a mamza. But the question is, is it Tetzay or not? So Rav felt sometimes Tetzay, sometimes not Tetzay. And what was his conclusion? If she has a child, then low Tetzay, because we don't want people to think the child's a mamza. But if she doesn't have a child, it's Tetzay. So says the Gemara, just to run through, Levi Amr Loilam Loi Tetzay. Levi feels that she never has to leave her second husband. Mechena Rav Yochan Lo Tetzay. He says, I heard the same thing from your father, Rav Huna, that is Lo Teitze, and another halacha, which is completely unrelated. This is a completely side halacha, and that is that if you have chatas waters, the waters that's going to be used for the paradu. Maggie, you have a question? Okay, so if... If you have waters that's going to be used for the paraduma, the halacha is you now let it do malacha with it. One of the forms of malacha is if an animal drinks out of it. Let's say you have a, a cow that drinks out of a bucket of water. Some of the water dribbles back in. The water that dribbles back in is puzzle for paraduma waters. So says the Gemara. So the Gemara says there's a certain type of fly. It was called a karotzis. A karotzis fly was a very big fly. And the way it drink water, it sucks it up. There was no dribbling back. So if you find a karatzis fly drinking out of paraduma waters, it's still kosher. This is also the second thing that he heard from Rav Huna. The karatzis sheva amir, ene peselis, uh, ene My karatzis, what is karatzis? I'm rabbi, didachta debene kifi. It's a large fly found, in, uh, found amongst uh, 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 wheat. In the wheat fields, they would have this type of fly. It was called a karatis. So it's a side halacha. So the first halacha that he heard from Rav Huna is that the second husband, she's allowed to stay with her second husband and the, by the laws of Gin. And the second halacha, which is completely unrelated, is that he heard that a karatis fly that drinks out of paraduma waters will not invalidate the water. Okay. I must have Rav Daniel Barav Katina. The Mishnah... In para, in para is listing all the birds that again. If a bird, a lot of birds, when they drink out of water, the water dribbles back in, so that would invalidate the paraduma waters. Of oh, it says in the Mishnah, all were all birds that drink out of the chatas waters invalidate, except for a dove. Neshem because a dove sucks it up and it doesn't dribble back. The imisa, the and if it's true that it's not just the imisa, and if it's true that. And if it's true that a karatzis fly is able to drink from it and not invalidate it, nisni So how come it's not listed in the Mishnah? So the Gemara says, The reason why it's not listed in the Mishnah is because not all karatzis flies are the same. 
Only a large karatzis flight is not invalidated, but a small one does. So because the size matters, it didn't want to list it in the Mishnah because the Mishnah was looking for a little more binary, a little more clarity. What size of a karatzis fly invalidates it and what size is okay? Up to a kazayas, the fly is not going to invalidate it. Once it's a kazayas, then it's fine. So up to a kazayas is a problem, above a kazayas is fine. Okay. Then you have the end of the Mishnah, is Rav Lazar's opinion is, that the Edim that see it is all that matters by Gi'in. And the truth is, he then added that it's true for financial documents as well. The halacha follows Rav Lazar that Edim is Sirakarti. And when I heard, taught in front of Shmuel, he says, He says that's true not just for Gitin, but true for financial documents as well. But Rav said, No, only for Gitin, but not for financial documents. Oh, so I'm saying, so Rav said it's halachas begin, which implies not by financial documents. I hakatana v'kayevim in chasim shabbatim, but our Mishnah says that Rav Lazar said his opinion even by financial documents. So how come Rav how come Rav is only passing with Rav Lazar begin? Rav Lazar's opinion is not just by begin. The answer is Rav Lazar tarti yomer. Rav Lazar said his opinion in both places. He said it by begin and by financial documents. Rav savar kavasi bechada pali bechada. Rav feels like agrees with him in one area and disagrees in another area. Okay, so the question is, do we pass the like Lazar by Edim Mesira Karti? V'chein Amr Yaakov Bar Edi Amr Vishuvan Levi. Halacha Akrav Lazar begin. Halacha follows Rav Lazar begin. That you don't need Edim to sign. All you need Edim is to see the delivery. Rav Yana Yomer Afilu Reich and get in by. Rav Yana says the opposite. He says it's not even an aroma of a get. Meaning, Rav Yana feels that not only is the get not a good get. If you give it to a woman, she's not pasla kahuna. It's nothing. It's not even aroma of a get. So Gemara says, Raviyane less than Ravalazar. Raviyane doesn't agree with Ravalazar. I thought we passed him like Ravalazar. So why is Raviyane saying that it's nothing? The answer is Hachikamar. Lirabonon, according to the rabbis who disagree with the Rabbanon, Afil Reich Hagedibai. He's saying the Rabbanon who disagree with Ravalazar feel that not only do they feel that it's not a kosher get, they feel that it doesn't even invalidate a woman from kahuna. It's nothing. Which is a tremendous chiddush, because Pashas, I would assume that even the Rabbanon would feel that it's 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 biblically a get. He's saying no, the Rabbanon disagree and they feel that it's nothing. Similarly, said says no, it's not even a scent of a, a, a get. Does that mean that Rav Yochanan doesn't hold like He said what he meant is. I, I hold like Rav Lazar, but the Rabbanon disagree with the Rav Lazar. They feel that it's not even an aroma of a get. Shalach le Rav Abba bar Zav de Lamari bar Merav. Boy, my name Rav Huna. Ask Rav Huna, Halacha Kravos begin. Ain't Halacha. Please ask Rav Huna, do we pass on Rav Lazar or not? Adahachi noich nashi to Rav Huna. Now, before he was able to ask the question, Rav Huna passed away. So, Amr le Rabbi Berei. So, Rabbi, the son of Rav Huna, told Rav Mari, Halachi Amr Abba Mishmede Rav. This is what my father said. Just many different names of that the, all these are about in Paskin, like Rav Begin. 
Okay, let's just uh, do the Mishnah. We'll do a little bit of the Gemara, and then we'll finish up. The Mishnah says like this: Shnayim Shashalchu Shnei Gitin Shavan. Two men with the same names and the same wives' name from the same city sent two Gitin with two Shluchim. Okay, and what happens? Uh, cartoonishly, the two Shluchim bang into each other, and they don't know whose get is what. So, Reuven is mar- is divorcing Sarah. They're both from Queens. They're both. Hand the get to two different shluchim. The shluchim bang into each other. And they don't know whose get is whom. So what's the halacha? Each one, each woman has to receive both gitten. I mean, both shluchim have to hand both gitten to each woman because you don't know who's the shliach of whom. Therefore, if one of the gitten gets destroyed or lost, the other get is irrelevant because you don't know whose is whose. Okay? Now, Okay, so uh, just Michael, you're asking a question, just going back on the previous Gemara, why does it make a difference whether the child, why does it make a difference whether the woman has a child or not? So I, I, just going back over here, the, 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 to me the, the explanation is as follows. We want people to understand in those three cases of Gittin, where there's three Gittin, we want people to understand that it's low to, that the child is not a mamza. If you force her to separate from her husband when she has children, people will start saying, well, why is she separating from her second husband? It must be because it's adultery. If it's adultery, the children are mamzer. It's very hard for people to, to, I I guess, there is a consolate plug, but people will start confusing things. People will start just seeing separation. By separation, they're going to assume adultery. So when there's no children involved, it can't lead to anything terrible. But when there's children involved, it could lead to people claiming the children are mamzer. I think that's the explanation. So just to finish up the Mishnah, um, the Mishnah says, It's very interesting. What if five men wrote a get together? So the get basically is saying, uh, you know, what do you call it? John and, and Sarah from Queens, and Yaakov and Shmuel from Brooklyn, and blah, 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 are all divorcing their wives. Now it's one, one body of text with five different names. The halacha is, Ish plain megar, is, plain is, and each couple will just, the get, literally, the get will be passed around. You give it to the first couple, you give it to the second wife, the third wife, the fourth wife. But let's say each person had a separate typhus. Typhus is the part of the get that refers to um, everything besides the names. So let's say, basically, the, the document looks like this. You have the names on top, so the five couples, and then each couple has their own paragraph saying, you know, he is divorcing her. You know, they're separating from each other. They're separating from each other. They're separating from each other. So instead of just one body, they have they have five different bodies of text. The halacha is, and the edim side and the bottom, in such a scenario, only the bottom couple is going to be kosher. Meaning, if you have one general um, paragraph, which includes all five couples, and then the Adam on the bottom, then the Adam are signing off on each one. Then all five will get divorced. But if you have each couple has their own own paragraph, so you have the the first general paragraph, and then you have uh, five paragraphs A B C D and E. A B C D and E. Right. A is for the first couple. B C D and E, and the Adam on the bottom. The only couple that'll be divorced is couple E. Because the Adim are connected to their paragraph. 
if you have separate paragraphs for each couple, then the Edim will only be connected to the bottom paragraph. Okay, now just start to finish, start the Gemara, and we'll get into it tomorrow. So we said in the Mishnah that if you have two couples who are identical Gitin and two Shluchim, and the Shluchim banged into each other and they lost, they don't know whose is whose, they both have to hand it to the, to the, to the, um, they both have to hand it to the to each woman. So Mantana, who's the author of the Mishnah, that each that the woman could be divorced by receiving both gid. Um mm-hmm. It must not be like Ravalazar. Why? Do Ravalazar? Why? Because Ravalazar holds. Again, according to our mayor, the Iker Adim are the ones that signed. In this case, while the Shluchim might have confused the Gid, the Adim at least signed it Lishma. According to Ravalazar, what's the main Adim? Adim Isira. The Gemara assumes that Eid Mesir also have to be Lishma, which means they have to, Eid Mesir are the ones seeing it. They have to know when they're seeing the get that it was written for that woman. In this case, we don't know whose get is whose. They're just handing both to each woman. The Eid Mesir don't know who's, Eid Mesir are the ones seeing the actual delivery. They don't know who's being get is being delivered. Yes, they know that she's getting every get possible, but you can't say it's Lishma. So it must be our Mishnah does not follow Ravalazar, because the Gemara assumes that the same way Rav Meir feels the Eid Chasima must be Lishma, the Gemara assumes the Eid Mesira also have to be Lishma according to Ravalazar. Over here, they're not Lishma. So the Gemara says, Why is it good according to Ravalazar? Because you have the Eid Mesira, but it can't be Lishma. They don't know whose get is being delivered at, the, at what time. So the Gemara says, no. The answer is it follows Rav Lazar. Rav Lazar feels you do not need to have, the Eidim Mesira do not have to be Lishma. According to Rav Meir, the Chasima has to be Lishma. According to Rav Lazar, the, the, the Ksiva, the actual get, has to be Lishma, but the actual delivery does not. Therefore, in this case, because the Eidim do not have to have the Mesira Lishma, this case it works and all could be delivered in front of each woman. I will stop here and we'll pick it up tomorrow.